Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, uh, flying solo today as the trash man is a disgusting pig, probably in a dumpster somewhere. Byron Lambert is busy making plans to get back out of town uh, as he is heading to the East Coast this time, at least to, to start, I believe, to Jaguars training camp. Uh, after getting done with his whole uh, tour of the Western United States, uh, Jags training camp, I think some uh, some training camps up there in the Northeast. I know it won't be the Ravens because I just got the email back from them. Uh, apparently Patrick Gleason, the guy there, I guess this guy at the Ravens just doesn't get it. He's the only... Um, the only uh, team that's denied us credentials. He says, uh, I'm sorry, we cannot credential a fantasy football reporter for practice at our training facility. So, yeah, fuck that guy. Um, I guess he doesn't know that fantasy pays the pays the bills around there. But uh, the good news is not too much fantasy relevance on the Ravens anyway. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have some new stops for the training camp tour. Make sure and stay tuned for that. You can find all of it at rosterwatch.com. Of course, uh, a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. Com right now gets you access to the epic, the mystical, the mythical cheat sheet. Uh, t- today, I'm going to go over some of my thoughts from this weekend's slate of preseason games, uh, how it's affected my view on some of these players and some of these situations, and how I'm starting to account for it on the cheat sheets that uh, of which I'm the architect, which are the PPR cheat sheet and the Superflex uh, 2QB uh, cheat sheet. A quick reminder before we get into it, though, is we ask you guys to please, if you listen to the podcast, if you enjoy the podcast, we want to keep the podcast going during the fantasy season, most specifically probably on Tuesdays to give you guys a waiver wire podcast. But if you want that, we need to see a good response in the comment section and uh, in, in the rating section of iTunes. And I'll tell you how to go give a, re- give a review in iTunes, and I'll make it really easy. And I hope that after this podcast comes out, I see a nice bump in the number of reviews that we have because we put a lot of work into making these podcasts for you guys. I went through and just did a scan of other fantasy football podcasts that are, you know, they've been around about as long as we have. And I'm telling you guys, like our, our number of reviews compared to the number of people who listen to this show is it's, I mean, we really appreciate everybody that has reviewed it, but it's not good. The way you do it is you go into iTunes, like or into your podcast app, right on your phone and click the little search click to search when you search just type in roster watch podcast when you do uh, you'll see that it'll auto fill to roster watch podcast just click that there will be like 
album art where it just says RW, Maniacal NFL Analysis. Just click right there on that bit of album art. From there, it'll take you to a page where you can write a review. It's very, very simple. Give a five-star rating. Write a review. It, it helps us out immensely, and it also lets us know that you want us to continue doing these, especially during the fantasy football season when it is going to be a lot – we're you know, just a lot harder. We're times at a lot bigger premium where we're making our in-season tools for all of our pro members. So the best way you can support this podcast is, of course, by going and getting a pro membership at rosterwatch.com where we're going to help you win a fantasy championship. We're going to help you build a dynasty monster. We are going to help you win every week in DFS, right? And we're the cheapest in the industry as far as that's concerned. Everybody else, if you want to use their DFS optimizers, get their DM- DFS stuff, it's like $49.99 a fucking month. <laughs> the roster watch is $3.99. So uh, please go get a pro membership. If you can't, if you can't afford it, I, I, you know, uh, sorry to hear it, but a way you can help us out for free is by following those simple steps and going and giving us a good review and a good rating in iTunes. All right, without further ado, we will get to the breakdown of this weekend's preseason slate. The Roster Watch podcast is brought to you by Roster Watch Nation, our pro community at rosterwatch.com, who, for less than a cheap cup of coffee, uh, support us in all of our maniacal efforts, uh, support us in the creation of all of our tools, uh, all of our travels, everything that we do to make sure that you win fantasy championships. The 2017 Roster Watch Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com for our pro members. The revolutionary cheat sheet that changed fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet is a magic sheet of paper. All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it. Three simple rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, an expert quality draft is guaranteed. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, it's mystical, it's magical, it's mythical. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, it's only at rosterwatch.com. All right, so let's start out with uh, Cincinnati at Kansas City. And uh, just, you know, fantasy takeaways from this. Jeremy Hill started the game, and Joe Mixon got in there quickly. I think he got in there after three snaps. There was a rotation through the first series, and I just think I, I, t- I talked about this on the Sirius XM show. I think on yeah, definitely on Sunday with the Trash Man, and of course, you know that dude is just saying I've been telling you all along. I've been telling you all along, and maybe he has been. Um, uh, it's look, Joe Mixon's the better football player. He's a better football player than Jeremy Hill. We've scouted them both with our own two eyes. I've seen Joe Mixon a good bit more than I've seen uh, Jeremy Hill. We were able to see Jeremy Hill at his uh, the LSU Pro Day, I believe, and we have we still have video clips for our pro members up in the video uh, archives from that Pro Day. We, you know, we thought Jeremy Hill looked good. We were on Jeremy Hill as a rookie. That that paid off for us. Joe Mixon's just a different breed of cat. I mean, he's a big monster. He's a big beast. He's got huge hands. You know, I remember thinking in college that he, had, you know, thinking it was you know kind of crazy to say, but this guy's got Le'Veon Bell upside with his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, it, he's he's he going to be better than Jeremy Hill. He's going to eventually take Jeremy Hill's job, but it's probably important to start recognizing that there's still a good bit of Jeremy Hill in this offense. He like this guy's not going to just disappear. So. While I'm still bullish on Joe Mixon, even, even despite the fact that he's a huge dirtball in real life who who just knocked the living shit out of a, a college uh, a female 
and was caught on video doing so. He's, I, I, it's just like, if, if you're using a third round pick on Joe Mixon, that's probably going to be your RB1, maybe your RB2. I guess I'm more comfortable with him as, as kind of an RB2 coming into the season that has real potential to elevate himself to the RB1 conversation, especially if something happens to Jeremy Hill injury-wise. I think even outside of that scenario, though, Joe Mixon is going to be a player that eventually usurps Jeremy Hill. And even if Jeremy Hill starts out the season as the starter in name, I think he's going to be just like we saw in this second preseason game, three snaps, then Joe Mixon's in. It wasn't like Joe Mixon was just in on a passing down or something either. It wasn't like a situational thing. It was just like, all right, Hill's been in there for a little while, and now we get Mixon in there. So I, I just – I think – Whereas I was beginning to think that you could maybe feel safe taking Mixon at the end of the third round, I've adjusted him on the cheat sheet to where the cheat sheet won't really be pushing you to take Joe Mixon unless he falls to you at more something like 4.03, 4.04, uh, sort of where I am on him. Certainly, um, you know, stay tuned to rosterwatch.com for any updates there to the PPR cheat sheet. I'm, I've actually uh, just, uh, I'm recording this, you know, Monday between 11 a.m. and noon, I'll have a, a version 3.5 of the PPR cheat sheet, version 3.4 of the Superflex cheat sheet up today just with uh, some of these changes, some of my takeaways as I've kind of had a night to sleep on it and unpack this this first season of preseason action, not just about the player you know, evaluations and how they looked, but also just some usage patterns and things like that. One of them, too, in that same game was Kareem Hunt. Um, the, the the running back, the all-senior bowl, or the guy who was our favorite running back at the senior bowl this year, a guy who by all of our catapult metrics was uh, had them had uh, measured with the most explosive movements, uh, measured with one of the highest overall velocities and also one of the highest uh, player workloads. The, we don't... We don't put those microchips in their sweaty-ass shoulder pads and have to go take them out for no reason. Kareem Hunt tested off the charts on those things and by the eyeball test. And, dude, in this game, uh, in, in, in this game versus Cincinnati, he looked awesome. He, we knew he'd be getting a longer look, and they gave him a longer look. Um, it, there was twice where he picked up very nice blitzes and pass protection. You can look at the one I tweeted out from our uh, Twitter, at Rosterwatch, and you'll be able to see. It's like, I mean, one of them, he, he took out two dudes. It was a, it was an it was an amazing it was an amazing blitz pickup, um, and he also was able just to completely stonewall uh, one other um, one other linebacker that uh, came in on a delayed blitz by keeping really active eyes and moving his feet and making sure to engage him with some good leverage and, and and keep that dude off of Alex Smith who actually looked very good in this game. Alex Smith is. Um, Alex Smith is responding to that pressure that Patrick Mahomes may be putting on him. Uh, but regardless, back to Kareem Hunt, um, it, you know, it's, it's clear that he's more than capable in the receiving game. They're gonna, he ran a ton of routes out of the backfield, uh, you know, routes into the flats, uh, wheel routes, even, you know, little, um, even little kind of dump-off routes, little curls to the middle of the field. And it's clear that he's going to get a lot of checkdowns from Alex Smith, and it's going to be great for PPR because he's good enough without the ball in his hands uh, to, to stay in on third downs. And with the ball in his hands, look look great. You know, ran between the tackles, was effective. So Kareem Hunt uh, makes a move up the cheat sheet. Spencer Ware gets a move down the cheat sheet. I, I mean, I think it's probably going to be – I still think it's going to be a Spencer Ware thing where he's the starter to start the season. But I 
don't think that the rise of Kareem Hunt is going to take quite as long as I did following week one. Whenever Kareem Hunt was, wasn't even used. I mean, I think he had I think he had like one carry or something. I don't even think he picked up any yards on it. So this was a very good sign for Kareem Hunt. Uh, he's, he's somebody that I think if you can get him in the eighth or the ninth round of drafts, I am perfectly fine with that. Of course, always defer to the cheat sheet for final instructions. Uh, Indy at Dallas. I mean, Dak Prescott, holy shit. I mean, he just picked up right where he left off. That Cowboys offense was clicking on all cylinders, even without Zeke. Look, I, I've heard a lot of back and forth about this, just kind of on my Twitter and in the, you know, in the echo chamber that this fantasy bubble is. And I'm still convinced Darren McFadden is at least the significant 1A. You know, well, Zeke's out. Um even if there is some kind of committee with Alfred Morris, you know, you hear people talking about Rod Smith, and I, admittedly Rod Smith did look pretty good, but he was playing against scrubs in the in the second half. And, you know, Darren McFadden's current ADP, you can get him in the end of the ninth or beginning of the tenth round. It's like it's almost like his ADP has gone down <laughs> since the suspension. It's like I, I, I've been getting him in the tenth in PPR recently in, in our simulations. I mean, he had, a ni- he had a nice night, 6.6 yards per carry. He did fumble, but it's not like he's a rookie that fumbled, you know? I mean, you have a, you have a, you have a career to look back at Darren McFadden where, you know, of all the issues you're going to point out with him, it's not you're going to point out the fumbling issues. You're going to point out that he has, you know, chicken legs and he can't stay healthy. But, you know, fumbles haven't been a thing. So uh, 6.6 yards per carry, uh, I mean, uh, it's, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll load up on Darren McFadden. Roster Watch Nation is going to own him at an extremely high clip if that ADP doesn't adjust. And these idiots keep thinking that, you know, this is going to be some kind of full-blown committee. That's just not what's going to happen. Um, Des Bryant, we've talked over and over about his brutal starting schedule, basically his brutal schedule for the season. As far as opposing cornerbacks, you know, if, if you can project them out that far. But, I mean, he made mincemeat of Vontae Davis on a few plays. He made good moves on Vontae Davis to, to, to get open. Dak's ball placement has improved. Dez finally comes into a season looking like a fully healthy beast. I mean, at what point do you just say, you know, I mean, we care about matchups, right? Uh, but... You know, we we invented the matchup tool. <laughs> you know, we we're the ones who you know we go to a bunch of extra effort to to you know figure out what these matchups are because using fantasy points against or fantasy points allowed is just such a flawed statistic, and everybody that uses the matchup tool knows that. I just I just think some players it's just almost like an NBA you know basketball. Whenever like if you're playing DFS NBA, it's like. The best players are just the best players, and even if they're tough matchups or they, you know they're playing against a pace down team or something like that, like you still play them because they're the best. And you know, Des Bryant's one of the best receivers in football, one of the most prolific touchdown catching receivers in football for sure. So I, I mean, I'm warming up on Des Bryant, even though our our wide receiver cornerback uh, top fifty ADP tool with the projected wide receiver cornerback matchups for the, the fantasy season says, Oh man, stay away from this guy. The only guy worse with the, with the, uh, top 50 ADP is Pierre Garcon, but I'm warming up on Des Bryant. I'm starting, you know, we'll get to, uh, we'll get to him right now. You know, T Y Hilton. I, I mean, I'm starting to feel more comfortable with Des than I am with T Y Hilton. He needs luck back badly. And I don't know when luck's going to get back. You know, they say week one, maybe they're saying it latest week two. That's the kind of stuff that starts getting to be like, 
now it could be, you know, week three or, you know, all of a sudden we're now we're talking about week four and you're like, oh, wait, you know, you're left hold, you know, holding your junk in your hand. You're saying, well, I thought, I, what, what's the deal, guys? I thought he was going to be back at the latest week two. And now you're talking like week six. And just now we were talking week four. And now why are we saying week seven? <laughs> like, you know, like, so I don't know until we hear more about Andrew Luck. I'm just, I'm, I think I'm a little more comfortable with Dez than I am with T.Y. Hilton. Because, look, Scott Tolzien sucks. I'm not worried about Jack Doyle one bit. Uh, Jack Doyle, uh, Tolzien targeted him three times in the first two drives for the, for the Colts. Doyle caught all three. Uh, still an amazing value in the 10th or the 11th round of PPR drafts. If, if, if you happen to wait on tight end uh, with all those extra targets that have uh, uh, evacuated town with Dwayne Allen, who I have not heard a thing about. All, all preseason, you know, uh, just a, as, a, as a side note. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, not worried at all about Jack Doyle with the Andrew Luck stuff. Definitely worried about T.Y. Hilton. We, no one in Roster Watch Nation has been dr- drafting Dante Moncrief anyway. So, I, I mean, I don't, um, I don't even care. I don't care about him, contract year or not. He's too touchdown dependent. Um, and then I guess my only other takeaway was, you know, if Dad gets hurt, that's just the Cowboys are done. Kellen Moore is just god awful. We've been telling you since the Senior Bowl that he was in that that guy. We we said at the time that that guy's undraftable, M- much to the chagrin of everybody in the Bo- on Boise State Twitter. We got a big backlash from that. They they like they came after us. A few of them seemingly wanted. A few of them seemingly wanted us. You know, I don't know. They like wanted us dead. They said they could they could not believe that. And that's, you know, this hostility from roster watch. Oh, and Marlon Mack, only uh, the, the running back, the rookie running back, Marlon Mack, only five carries for the Colts. It looked very explosive, nine yards per carry. So he's going to push Frank Gore at some point this season. Frank Gore's too old, and uh, Marlon Mack is immediately a better option than Robert Turbin. Okay, um, the Jets at the Lions. I mean, what do you really have to what do you really have to say about this? The Jets quarterback situation is the absolute worst. It's the pits, it's putrid. Hackenberg sucks. Bryce Petty just sucks. I mean, all these guys suck. I I want nothing to do with any of it in fantasy. I don't want anything to do with Bilal Powell. He looks like he's I mean, he's in over his skis. Matt Forte is old and he's hurt and he's rickety and crickety. And then, you know, in case there's any question, uh, Amir Abdullah, he's going to have every chance to show he's the go-to, every down runner in that offense. You, you worry about uh, Theo Riddick. I, I mean, I was just I was updating the cheat sheet today. I look back at last year. You forget that Theo Riddick, in the 10 games he was available last year, averaged 16.2 PPR points per game. I, I like, I, hey, I, I was guilty of forgetting that about Theo Riddick. They use him a shit ton uh, down in the red zone as a pass receiver, which is a, a really odd way of doing things, but uh, they sure do. So uh, just something to keep in mind there with Amir Abdullah. Still think he's great value uh, when you can get him, you know, late, late seventh. I mean, the guys like Amir Abdullah, Paul Perkins, who will – not going to really talk about much in this podcast, but who we'll see tonight uh, as the Giants are going to face the Cleveland Browns. 
Um, two kind of interesting guys with some real upside, but also maybe a you know, fair amount of downside to him as, as, as well with just, you know, think just things could go sideways with both of them. And so it's good to know that they're guys that we can get as part of a deeper running back platoon, that if things do pan out, great. If they don't pan out, it's not like we're expending any kind of huge draft capital on them. Okay, Green Bay at Washington. Uh, you know, the Redskins came out looking really sluggish, really rusty. Morgan Moses, the right tackle, he got hurt on the second play. Um, I think I haven't, I, I haven't followed up on how bad an injury that was, but I, just judging by what they were saying during the game in the broadcast, it didn't seem like it was that big a deal. The injury didn't look like that big a deal. Um, it wasn't like his knee twisted or did anything super weird. So, uh, you know, hopefully Morgan Moses, another uh, mem- another all-senior bowler, uh, roster watch all-senior bowl team from, I think that was the 2014 season, maybe 2013. Hopefully he's, he's back in good, good standing soon enough. Uh, Jamal Williams uh, of the Green Bay Packers, you know, he got in the game because Ty Montgomery was out, and this was his opportunity to show that, you know, he can step up and do something. He got nothing going on the ground. He he had seven carries in total for 12 yards. Just, you know, disappointing. Uh, It looked very unimpressive. He, He had a complete lack of vision, complete lack of burst. You know, we really liked him at the senior bowl, not as much as Kareem Hunt. But, you know, liked his tape from BYU, liked him at the Senior Bowl, love him as a kid. I mean, well, I, I, you know, I, I love getting a chance to talk to him and getting to know him there in, in, in Mobile. But, you know, it, he just he didn't make anything of a big opportunity uh, to show out. I do think that through the course of the season, there's going to be a competition there. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen there with the uh, Ty Montgomery, Jamal Williams thing. But uh, for now, I'd say the Ty Montgomery still uh, clearly in the lead. Um as far as Aaron Rodgers, he looked great. It, it, there was one deep bomb target to Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson was interfered with on the play. But, you know, just so you know, that's still there. <laughs> that's not going away. Oh, Marty B., Martellus Bennett, uh, newly added tight end, had a nice touchdown catch. He went up for a contested ball against uh, Zach Brown, a linebacker, and that was, you know, Marty B is going to win that most of the time. Uh, He continues to be a steal at the tight end position. Got to take him a little bit earlier than Jack Doyle, who's also a steal. But if you can get Marty B in the eighth or the ninth round, the cheat sheet is going to be pointing you in that direction every time. As far as the Washington run game, Rob Kelly absolutely sucks. Okay, this guy is shitty. We're going to stand by that. No member of Roster Watch Nation will ever own that fat slug. He is horrible. It's a wasted draft pick. And like I said on the SiriusXM program yesterday, like I, I hated saying it because I've heard our, our, our fellow hosts on SiriusXM talk about Rob Kelly and about how he's a good guy to target in the sixth and seventh round. I say that's cockamamie nonsense. And if you say that, you, I mean, I, like nothing against you personally, but as an analyst, you're a complete amateur. And you don't go out and you don't get your eyes on these guys in person and you don't put in the work. And that's just, that's just the case. And what a difference a week makes because last week everybody was ready to throw Samaj P. Ryan off a cliff, flush this dude down the toilet, and this week, once again, what we've always known him to be, he's clearly the better option to Kelly. Both as a pure runner, as a receiver out of the backfield, Kelly averaged one yard per carry. Samaj P. Ryan averaged 5.6. It's still perfectly fine to take Samaj P. Ryan in the 10th, 11th round of PPR drafts. I have absolutely no problem with it. Uh, New Orleans at Houston. It's probably 
probably time to start worrying a small bit about DeAndre Hopkins in a contract year. That dude hasn't practiced since August 9th. Um, but that's not the main thing. Like, it's these quarterbacks, you know. I mean, Tom Savage under center last season uh, was he was he was better, you know. I mean, he was fine with Savage under center, and and the thing is, Savage can't be any worse than Brock Osweiler. So we're not talking, you know, as bad as it was in 2016. But I don't think he's going to be as good as we were hoping for a major monster bounce back from DeAndre Hopkins in a contract year. I, I just none of these quarterbacks are that. Good. I mean, Deshaun Washington could be good at some point, but as a as a pocket passer, I don't really see it yet. He's not been able to have any time to get on the same page with them. I just um, DeAndre Hopkins is another guy who on the cheat sheet we're going to be getting a little bit less exposure to moving forward. And then Deontay Foreman, surprise, surprise, he looks sick. I mean. Uh, if we haven't been telling you, <laughs> I mean, we like we've been telling we've been telling you literally since January that wherever he goes, he's going to be sick. He, he's an he's an unbelievable kid, unbelievable athlete, unbelievable player, and all he ever does is 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 prove the haters and the doubters wrong. So so by all means, if you don't believe in Deontay Foreman, keep on being a goddamn hater because he's going to prove you wrong. And, you know, the roster watch nation is not going to be on the wrong side of Deontay Foreman. Um you know, he's, he's, he's a great value with the last pick in your fantasy drafts. He'll be worth his weight in gold if Lamar Miller goes down. He should probably take over um, the majority of carries from Lamar Miller during the course of the season, if all is right in the world. I mean, 83 yards on nine touches along with a touchdown. I mean, I don't know what, what more we really need to say. Uh, Denver at San Francisco. And, look, C.J. Anderson, I, I think he's st- – look – we're no C.J. Anderson truthers here. I, I, there, there's plenty to pick apart about his game. But, he, he, look, he's being underdrafted. The, the cheat sheet is telling people that the, the, magic, the magic and mystery of the cheat sheet is telling people that they can get him in the late sixth round. Sometimes, like, I, I, was, I ran a simulation today where, where we got him in PPR at 7.03. He's the undisputed number one in that offense, and that offense has a shitty passing game. It looks like Trevor Simeon is going to beat out Paxton Lynch, and Paxton Lynch looks like the dumps. Devontae Booker's hurt, and he sucks. D'Angelo Henderson, I mean, yeah, he's looked good. And I I have interest in D'Angelo Henderson for, for Dynasty, for sure. And I think that D'Angelo Henderson is somebody who could push down the stretch for to snaps. I certainly think so. But C.J. Anderson is like, this is, this is a Vance Joseph team. This is a defensive team. They're going to run the football. They're not going to be playing from, playing from behind and get out, of, you know, get out of whack with their game script stuff. They're, they're going to pound out the football. This is a team that has a puny little peepee-armed um, passing attack. What are they going to do besides hand it off to C.J. Anderson? Seventh round. I mean, my God, it's it's like it's, it's it's why a lot of these cheat sheet teams are turning out to kind of be not really zero RB, but kind of like the upside down draft strategy. There's just so much value to be had through these middle rounds with with some of these uh, running backs that people see as you know middling options. If if you get a run of guys like you know. C.J. Anderson and Adrian Peterson and Paul Perkins and Amir Abdullah and Doug Martin. Like, are you, are you telling me the two of those guys aren't going to pan out just as weekly plays? You're crazy. 
Uh, Chicago at Arizona. Uh, no Jordan Howard in this game, so Tariq Cohen was the first man up. And God, dude, I'm, 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 I'm starting to love this guy. I'm not sure he's going to be a viable uh, redraft option, but, boy, I, I wish I would have seen him in game action before I had all of my Dynasty rookie drafts. I would have taken him at the end of Dynasty rookie drafts all day long. Um, this Bears team is absolutely horrible. It's putrid. Mike Glennon, I told you last week, he sucks. I mean, he totally, totally sucks. Mitch Trubisky's not going to be ready. And then the other only other option is Mark Sanchez. So, I mean, they're going to get behind the games. They have a horrible defense. You worry maybe, and this is a concern I've expressed here on the pod and also like on the SiriusXM show, but you worry about Tariq, or no, you worry about Jordan Howard getting on the wrong side of game script, right? Because he's not a pass catcher. He's not a guy that can, you know, you really want a four-minute offense. He's a guy that you want to, he's the guy that you want in like the offense that C.J. Anderson's in, right? Who can, who can, who can crank it out and take time off the clock, right? Like, you just see how dynamic Cohen is as a pass catching back and how dynamic he is out of the backfield. I mean, he's, he's puny and he's shrimpy and squirmy, right? He's a pipsqueak, but he is fast. 11 rushes for 77 yards. We always say that, you know, it's, it's, it's such donkey stuff to compare every small back to Darren Sproles <laughs> just because they're like 5'6 or 5'7 or whatever. But he, he, he reminds me a lot of Darren Sproles. He's, he's not as thick. But I don't think he's scared to run between the tackles, and I think he's the kind of guy who on these delayed draws and stuff like that that you get into in these situational, you know, kind of second and longs and you know stuff like that, like he's the kind of guy that can break off chunks. Oh, and also, look, our, our analytics were right when they said that this Cardinals defense will take a step back in 2017, at least as far as stopping the, at least as far as stopping the run. You know, not just by the free agency losses, but also just by, you can just kind of tell by the pieces that they added. When you add a linebacker like Hassan Reddick, that's not really a downhill thumper, not a, I mean, d- d- look, don't get us wrong. Hassan Reddick's an all-senior bowler. I feel like we, we basically started the Hassan Reddick bandwagon amongst the draftnik community uh, to fo- following that, that week in, in Mobile. But, I mean, it, he, he, he's, 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 he's not a downhill thumper. He's he's not a guy that's going to fit up a fullback in 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 the hole and and, and stuff a play. He's going to get back into coverage, you know. And, the, and the, look, I don't think that there's going to be any fall off with the with the Cardinals as far as their ability to cover opposing wide receivers. I just do think it's going to be a it's 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 going to be a defense that that funnels productivity to the run, and that's going to be a big edge for us as we start the season in DFS, along with a bunch of these other stuff. Or a bunch of this other stuff that we'll have whenever we have the uh, release of the matchup tool for week one to our pro subscribers and also the release of the DFS cheat sheets for DraftKings and FanDuel. Okay, uh, let's move on to Rams at Raiders. Looks like after that we'll have uh, just just two more because that was the last game of the Saturday slate of action. Um and look, I mean, here the big takeaway. Look, the whole Rams offense looked much better than expected. Jared Goff looked like a G. I mean, Sean McVay, what a you know what a difference a coach makes. Todd Gurley found the end zone, thirty-eight yards on eight carries. He tacked on twelve more through the air with with, with just one catch. So, 
Things taken up for Todd Gurley. Our boy, Cooper Cup, golden son of Roster Watch Nation, all senior bowler, a catapult metrics through the roof at the 2016 Senior Bowl. I'll be interested in our second year working with Catapult at the Senior Bowl. I'll be interested to see if any wide receiver has a higher workload, is a harder worker than Cooper Cup. I'll venture to say that over the course of the next five years, he might have the highest player workload of, of, of any guy that we <laughs> of any guy that we measure at the wide receiver position just because he is such a hustler. Um, you know, six receptions for 70 yards and a touchdown. That's touchdowns in two straight weeks. It should be noted, though, Mr. Hustle, <laughs> Cooper Cup, the touchdown in the first week, was on a, a heads-up fumble recovery in the end zone. Still counted for preseason DFS. <laughs> and then uh, Gerald Everett. Uh, you, you, we had the interview with him on the pod just this last episode, right? Byron was right, man. This guy's legit. He was a huge oversight for us at the Senior Bowl. You know, we were so full. We were just like, we're just like laser locked on OJ Howard and Evan Ingram and how sick these guys look. We just overlooked Gerald Everett. He, you know, they've said he told Byron that he's like the guy in their in their um, in their two tight end sets when they go to twelve personnel. And uh, in doing so, he's get like we saw it. He's get like just like he told us they're going to use him to, st- to st- stretch the seam. Uh, Sammy Watkins, not too much action. But he got on the field. I, I, look, I think the big takeaway from this on the Rams side is, you know, McVay is doing good things there. We need to not discount members of this Rams offense quite as much as we had been previously. I'm, I still have Sammy Watkins buried on the cheat sheet. The magic and the mystery of the cheat sheet won't be shipping him your way. But, you know, I think one thing that the magical cheat sheet might be doing is really directing you really hard to Cooper Cup with your 14th pick. Uh, Atlanta at Pittsburgh. First play of the game, it was a screen from Josh Dobbs to Martavis. Martavis, the Martian, the beastly animal, the disgusting robotic freak. He is so tall and fast and sick. His hands are so big. He's so big with big alien fingers. I mean, it's gonna. It was just awesome to see Martavis on the football field again after 18 months. Can you believe they said that on the broadcast? I said, "Holy shit!" 18 months. You know, he didn't do much with that first target, but he's the same beast, man. It's the same Martavis. He's gonna be a steal in the fifth or the sixth round of drafts. He looks good. And then, um, and 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 trust me, we are all going to own him as our wide receiver three, and we are going to get incredibly, incredibly sick. And then what a ton of volume for James Conner, especially for a preseason game. 20 carries, (laughs) you know, 98 yards, and he was targeted four times, too, in the passing game. So he's the handcuff to Le'Veon Bell. He's a high-priority one. The best part about it is you can get him for so much cheaper than you're used to getting D'Angelo Williams. And there was a a big quarrel on Twitter yesterday between Scott Barrett from Pro Football Focus and Josh Norris from Roto World, two of our guys. I mean, we you know definitely love both those guys. Definitely an argument though about ta- about the viability of taking a James Conner. You know, Scott Barrett saying you got to take him in the last pick of your draft because uh, he put out all these statistics showing basically if Le'Veon Bell gets hurt and you're the number two in that offense, you basically vault up into like top five running back in the league 
potential st- st- statistically, and that's just what's happened recently. And so with Le'Veon Bell having a big injury history, with Le'Veon Bell having a suspension history, with him being a holdout, all the rest, possibly not coming into camp in shape, who knows if that puts him at extra risk to you know, get injured. I don't really think so. I think that Le'Veon Bell is pretty used to sitting his ass out of games by now with all the injuries and suspensions that he has had. But it looks like James Conner could be fantasy gold if 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 Le'Veon Bell were to go out and, you know, what 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 Josh Norris was saying is that, you know, you know, he just had the take, you know, you you don't draft handcuffs and uh, take a player with standalone value there at the end, like a Cooper Cup, like a Deontay Foreman. I, you know, I saw both sides of the argument, um, but I, I think my big takeaway was, you know, after after watching Connor, looking at the volume, the usage. Yeah, I mean, if you draft Le'Veon Bell, it's looking like you're going to need to draft uh, James Connor as well. He looked, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he looked very good, averaging almost five yards a carry on 20 carries. It was versus Scrubs, but just the usage too. The you know the the four targets. It, uh, things are looking up for him in, in his uh, first action coming off that shoulder injury. And then finally, uh, New Orleans Saints at L.A. Chargers. And every time I see L.A.C., I think L.A. Clippers. I I need to get over that quickly. Um, no Philip Rivers in this one, and Kellen Clemens still sucks. <laughs> Newsflash: You know this guy's awful. Um, this, this is an aside. That team needs to do something to address the future of the quarterback position. They couldn't get anything going with the first group. Melvin Gordon looked like Melvin Gordon circa 2015, a.k.a., you know, hashtag bad. <laughs> like outside of I, – I, he did have one nice run. Also, uh, one reception for uh, uh, seven yards on two targets, but in all, five rushes for eight yards, you know. Not at all what you're uh, hoping to see out of Melvin Gordon. That that offensive line looks like it, it truly will continue to be a bit of an issue despite uh, the, the recent efforts to, to get that thing up, up to snuff. It just seems like the perpetual problem with the Chargers is that offensive line. And then, you know, my biggest takeaway, Alvin Kamara – uh, I, I talked about it last week. He just continues to impress me. Uh, it's it's it, like it's finally time. That's it. I'm getting him up on the cheat sheet uh, in version 3.5 where he's suitable to take in the final couple rounds of your PPR drafts. Uh, I don't care about Adrian Peterson. I don't care about Mark Ingram. I think Alvin Kamara has shown enough to where he can come in and, and he can he can play that, that uh, receiving down. Darren Sproles, old Darren Sproles, old Reggie Bush type of role in that offense. I, I don't think just because you have two uh, potentially great and prolific runners in that offense that they are necessarily the same, uh, the kind of player who can fill the same sort of role that Alvin Kamara can. If anything, those two are going to cannibalize each each other because they're a lot alike, right? Adrian Peterson and Mark Ingram. I think Alvin Kamara brings something to the table that neither of those guys can and you know, uh, just to, he had the big, long touchdown on the very – it's the very first play of the game, and he just gets the ball, and you're just like, whoa, look how fast he is. And, you know, I, I, I think he did it getting inside the tackle. If not inside the tackle, definitely in, in, inside the, the, the uh, tight end. And just as an aside, one thing you also liked, it was incredible downfield blocking from the wide receivers on, on that play from Michael Thomas and Willie Sneed if you go back and, and watch it back. But for Alvin Kamara in, in all, uh, it was uh, five – carries for 61 yards and a touchdown he was also targeted twice 
during his limited time in the game before he got out of there. And uh, he caught one ball for a nice 22-yard gain. So Alvin Kamara certainly moving up the ranks uh, as far as the cheat sheet and uh, probably as far as ADPs are concerned. I, I think we're going to see him be a riser moving forward. All right, uh, if, if you like the podcast, please go and give it a five-star rating. Go give it a good review in iTunes. You can find all of our content at rosterwatch.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way to do it is by going to rosterwatch.com and getting a pro membership. I guarantee you it will be the best decision that you make in your fantasy life. For Byron Lambert, for the trash man, for the robot genius and all of Roster Watch Nation, this has been the Roster Watch Podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. We will see you next time.